0: Our hymn of invitation before, uh, after uh, the lesson this morning will be hymn number 904. Number 904, Have You Been to Jesus? Would you turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21? Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Beloved, it's wonderful to see everyone this morning. We certainly do appreciate you being here. We appreciate your participation. We've said it, but we want to reiterate that you are our honored guest. We know that God's given us all free moral choice, and you could have, quite frankly, did, I'm not on there. Okay, that is. I'm on, on my end, gentlemen. You hit the right button. It's working now. Can you hear me now? A lot of movement. Can you understand the words coming out of my mouth? <laughs> Okay, brethren, we, we do want you visited. visit and understand it. we We appreciate you being here. You have choice. You could have chosen to have been anywhere else today, and you chose to be here with us. So we're honored by that, and we're grateful for that, and pray that you have been able to worship God, as the Bible says that we want to do. We've been on a kind of a, what we call a mini-series. This is the fourth lesson on the grace of God, and, and uh, four parts, and this will be the final one on this particular series of lessons, not that we ever get through. We're studying about God's wonderful, and as we sing, amazing grace, and... So in this lesson, we're going to look at how the grace of God empowers us, brothers and sisters. We've seen in our previous lesson that the grace of God saves, Ephesians 2. It instructs us, as we looked last week, in Titus 2, 11 through 14. We've seen that the, we talked about the amazing grace of God and how wonderful it is and, and, and what it does for us in Ephesians uh, chapter 3 now, we're going to look at how the Bible says that the grace of God empowers. When, when, when Paul begins to talk about God's grace in Ephesians chapter 2, he pretty much carries that through the rest of the, the book of Ephesians, brethren, and that's where we're going to kind of pick up because he says in Ephesians 3, 1, For this reason... I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles. And so when Paul says for this reason, we need to look at what the reason is. He's going to say it again in a few minutes. Um, And so brothers and sisters there, he said, there's a reason that I'm writing what I'm about to say. You're saying what I'm about to say. And you have to look to chapter 2, brothers and sisters, to know Paul's reason for what he's going to say to us this morning. And his reason is simple. He doesn't make it hard at all. He says, God in His grace has saved us. He's brought us into His church. He's made us His family. And He's given us His Spirit. And that Spirit dwells within us. And that's all because of God's grace. And those are all great blessings. And so based on that, Paul says, So for this reason... And then he says the grace of God also empowers us, and that's what we're going to look at in chapter 3. He's saying to us this morning, beloved, that nothing is going to be too difficult for God's people. You know what he's saying, basically? Listen to this now. We don't have to worry about having the power to do what God commands. We don't have to worry about that, brethren. God's given that to us. We say sometimes, you know, oh, I wish I had more strength. I wish I had more power. I wish I had more this to do God's will. No, no, brethren. God's given it to us as we're going to see in abounding measure. So we don't have to worry about having the power to do God's command. We are to have the faith to carry those commands out. Do you see that, brethren? We have the power. Some I mean, of well, Brother Green, I'm not feeling it. We'll talk about that. We have it. God's given it to us. But we've got to have the faith to put it into practice. Then God will supply the power that we need. God gives us what we need. Because, brethren, as Jesus said, every time it's going to be done according to our faith. You know what he said? Be it done how? According to your faith. And so if I'm not receiving the power of God in great measure, then why? Is it because God's not willing to give it or hadn't given it? No, 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 no. That means no. God has given as we're going to see, brothers and sisters, but we have to step out on faith in order to God to appropriate that power in our lives. So he says in the first 13 chapters, okay, Paul discusses the serving power of grace. Have you ever thought about what grace does in our life and that it provides for us a serving power? See, a lot of people want to look at grace, brothers and sisters, quite frankly, in our world today in the religious circles as something that they can do to kind of excuse them, right? Well, I know I'm not, and you fill in the blanks. I know I'm not living right. I know I'm not serving the way I should. I know I'm not loving. I know I'm not blah, blah, blah. But God's grace has it covered. Brothers and sisters, that's nowhere in the Bible. But what is in the Bible is that God's grace gives us the power to serve. Let's read verses 1 through 13 together, okay? Ephesians 3, I'm going to be a little bit quick, but you are smart and intelligent, and you can follow along. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. For this reason, I, call the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, um, that by referring to this, when you... Read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which is other generations were not made known to the sons of men. Talk about in the old covenant. It's been made known to us in the new, as it has now been revealed into his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. And, of course, they passed it on to us. We have the New Testament today. Now, verse 6. To be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise In Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of which I was made a minister. Uh, We're going to look at the meaning of that word in a minute. According to the gift of God's grace. Which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentile the unfathomable riches of Christ. And to bring to light which is or what is the administration of the mystery which for ages had been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. That's us. That's us, brethren. To who? Who do we need to make the manifold wisdom of God know? Who do we need to take the gospel to? To the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart of my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. Let's just talk about what we just read, brothers and sisters. I think it's pretty plain, but let's let's, let's just discuss it, okay? You know what Paul does here in these verses? He discusses the serving power of grace. And brothers and sisters, it takes grace to be a servant doesn't it? He explains, have we been given the power to serve in the place God has put us in? If you're a member of the Lord's church, he has placed you in his body where he wants you to be, and he wants you to be serving wherever that is. Worldly power doesn't serve. Jesus said that. He said amongst the Gentiles, their rulers, those in authority, They, they use that power to dominate others. Worldly power doesn't serve, brothers and sisters. If you want a good example of that, look at the politics going on in Washington, D.C. right now. I'm not talking about political affiliation. I'm talking about across the board. You don't see many servants. You see people trying to get in more power. Worldly power doesn't serve. It wants to be served. But God's power enables us as his children to become servants. Now, brothers and sisters, it takes God's power to be a servant. Amen? Because we're naturally selfish. You take a two-year-old kid and hand him two pieces of candy and then say, Johnny, share one of them pieces of candy with Susie and see if you don't got World War III on your hand. You can't pry that candy out of that young one's hand. Brethren, it takes God's power to be able to, as the Bible says, to die to self. And to live for others. And so in in the, the 13 verses that we just read, we see two things in these verses, okay? We see what he calls God's general plan for his people. God's general plan being for the church. And he said that's his eternal purpose before there ever was a church, okay? And then he gives his specific purpose for us as his people. God's general plan, brothers and sisters, is that the Gentiles be heirs and members and sharers together in the Lord's church. As Robbie said today, God's no respecter of person. He didn't, you know, in the Old Covenant, only a Jew could be in a right relationship to God. Not anymore. Us Gentiles, as we're called in the Bible, can also enter into that. And that was God's eternal purpose for that to happen. The Bible says that there in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, for we're all one in Christ Jesus. That's always been God's purpose. Beloved, you need to understand, we're all a ten in God's family. Do you know that? Now, if we look at our, uh, our uh, abilities and our accomplishments, we'd probably place us within a one or two, you know? But looking at ourselves through the benefit of God's grace, we're all a ten. Do you know that God sees you as a 10? Do you know that? You know how some days I think God looks at me? Some days I think God looks at me and says, Marvin, you're a piece of scum. Of all the sinners out there, as the Apostle Paul says, you're the chief. You're the foremost of all, man. You mess up so much, man. You know, boy, I just, I just don't even know why I have anything to do with you. That's why I think God looks at me sometimes. Brothers and sisters, in reality, he looks at me and he says, that's my child. There's a 10. Y'all think I look like a 10? Never mind. Don't nobody. All right. But God sees it that way, brothers and sisters. In the world, you may be considered a zero. But to God, you're a 10. And let me tell you what, brothers and sisters, God is always right. Amen? So why do we worry about what the world thinks? Oh, preacher, go meddle Why do we do that? Okay, that's another lesson for another day. So God's general plan is one of equality in his church, brothers and sisters. Jesus died for everybody. See, we don't understand, brethren, because we didn't live in that day. We don't understand the horrible pressure and and prejudice that there were between Jew and Gentile. And only God's power can bring those two groups together. And only God's power can do that today. So, brethren, God gives us the power to serve. And so Paul then gives God's specific purpose his life beginning with verse 7 and onward he says that basically here's my place here's my work in God's church and what the Bible refers to there as the body of Jesus Christ and it's a high place right brothers and sisters I mean after all he's the apostle Paul right that's a high calling that's a high place no no no. you know what he says in verse 7 by the gift of God's grace and by his power I have become a servant of Jesus. Some versions say a minister of Jesus. Beloved, that word there is doulos in the Greek, and it literally means a slave. Can you imagine telling somebody, by God's grace and by his power, I have become a slave. That's not a very high position, is it? It probably, though, brothers and sisters, when you think about it, it takes more power to become a slave or a servant than anything else. Maybe that's why we have very few servants in the Lord's church today. Hmm? It's hard to be a servant. It's harder to be a slave. It's easy to be selfish. It's hard to die to self. We can't do that by ourselves, brethren. We have to have God's grace and his power that's given through his grace. That's the only way we're going to do that. It's hard to be a servant, especially for us Americans, and our pride of being free. We live in the home of the brave and the land of the free, right? So to become a slave with that much pride might take more power from God than anything else I'm going to do. We need God's grace, and we need the power that comes to His grace so we can be a servant, a loss a slave of Jesus Christ. Paul was a very proud first person before his conversion to Christ. He admits that. He was a Pharisee, and he said, I was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He was next in line to become the next Glamalio, most scholars tell us. And in Romans 7 and Philippians 3, he talks about the way he was in the past. And brothers and sisters, from a worldly sense, he had it all. And Paul says, you know what? I was a free man. And in 1 Corinthians 9, the first 12 verses, he gives a list of all the freedoms that he had and, and all the rights that he had. He said, I have certain rights as an apostle. But you know what he says? I don't use those rights. What did he say? 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Although I am, a fr- I am free and belong to no man, I make myself every man's slave in order to win as many as possible so paul says i have received this grace by god's power what grace is it a grace and a power in order to become a slave to all to give up my rights to serve others brothers and sisters if every christian did that Would we turn the world upside down for Jesus? Would we bring folk to Christ? Someone say amen. It's not against the law. So we have, secondly, Paul's prayer. Verses 14 through 21. Listen, let's read this together. Okay? Ephesians 3, beginning with verse 14. For this reason, he says it again in verse 1. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Okay? He's he's praying now, and he's praying for us. He's praying for the Lord's church. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. That's a good blessing, but He's not in a good prayer. But He's not through yet. So that Christ, verse seventeen, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through Faith, that's our part, beloved. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge or some words say all understanding, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And now, verse 20, to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And Paul was not afraid to say amen. The end of that verse. Beloved, he says Paul's prayers that we, we, God's people, his church, May be strengthened with power. Verse 16. That means literally to be twice or double strong. As strong as you may be. You may work out and be able to lift 500 pounds. This verse means you'd be able to lift a thousand. The source of the power. According to the riches of his glory. Our power does not come from ourselves. Brothers and sisters. We can't even describe the power. That's available to us. Isn't it great? that we're not dependent upon ourselves for our power source, oh, brethren, we'd be in trouble if we did that. And not only is our source of power in God, the agency or the means of power is also in God through His Spirit. Verse 16, God's glory, God's grace, God's generosity, God in His, through His Spirit gives us a power that's available to every one of us that is literally out of this world. And out of God's glorious riches, the Bible says we're strengthened with power through His Spirit. If we're walking in the light, brethren, and trusting in God, He talks a lot about our faith, then we're being strengthened by God's power even when we don't realize it. Beloved, there's a lot of things that have happened in our lives that are caused by God that we don't even understand and realize right now do you think that do you believe that somebody say, brother green i just don't understand what's going on in my life one day hang on you will you will one day you may not now and you may die not not knowing the answer but you're going to look back and say oh that was god working yeah that was god doing that is we're going to know one day brothers and sisters and then he gives the location of the power verse 16 in your inner man Brethren, some people like to boast of their physical strength. That's okay, you know. Them Arnold Schwarzeneggers and stuff, they're all right, you know. But brethren, real strength lies in the inner man, the Bible said. Paul says earlier in the Romans that the, though the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed day by day. We all know that. This outer man, it, it's decaying, okay? You young people, you look at me. No, I'm serious. You look at me. You're gonna be this. uh, You're gonna be this old someday, soon. And that outer man's decaying. You know, when I was younger, I had hair. I didn't have a stomach. I had them abs, boy. Worked hard. I had some muscle. Now I've got flab, right? Got that furniture disease. That's where your chest fell down in your drawers. See, the outer man's decaying, brethren. We understand that. The Bible teaches that. It's the inner man, though, the inner man that's being renewed by God's Spirit on a daily basis as we walk in the Lord. And that's very much better, as the Bible says. So let's look at the third point. What's the outcome of the result of that power? Brothers and sisters, if you've got a lot of power, there's got to be a result, right? You ever stick your thumb in a socket? I did. I never claimed to be a rocket scientist. All right? There was an outcome to that. There was a result to that. I was barefoot and standing in water at the time. There was an outcome to that, brethren. And so if you've got power, then it has to be shown, right? So what's the outcome of the result? Verse 7, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's how. God gives us strength so that Christ can have A permanent place in our lives. That's what the word dwell means here, brothers and sisters. He doesn't want to visit you. He doesn't want to come into your heart every now and then. He doesn't want to be in your heart just on Sunday morning. He wants to live there constantly, permanently. He set up residence there, and he wants to remain there permanently. Now, we can kick him out of the house. I hope you don't. But as long as we have Christ in our lives, we'll be able to go on when everything else in this world says quit and give up. Do you know that, brethren? As long as Christ dwells in me, nothing and no one, not even the devil and all his demons, can defeat me because Christ Has overcome all and has authority over all. We've looked at God's plan and God's purpose in Paul's prayer, and we have to end then this section with Paul's praise. What does he say? Since God has made me a fellow heir, says Paul, a fellow sharer, a fellow member of his body, And since we are servants or do-law slaves of God, since God intends that his word be made known through us to the world, since I can approach God with freedom and confidence, and since Christ dwells or lives in our hearts, what should our response be to all that? He says it can't be anything but praise. So Paul's praise in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. So Paul's trying to explain the power of God. How do you explain God's power? How do humans explain anything about God and do it legitimately and do Him justice? So he builds as he's praising God, he builds upon, and he adds to this verse, Now to him who is able, to him who is able to do what, Paul? Now to him who is able to do, to do what? To him who is able to do all, he builds that. No, 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 wait, wait. I can imagine, Paul, no, wait, 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 wait. no, no. For him to be able to do far more exceedingly beyond all that we Ask or think. Beloved, this is maybe why we need to be converted to become like little children, as Jesus said, right? He's unless you become converted like a little child, you can't get into the kingdom of heaven. Maybe one reason for that is, is that you know what children specialize in? Asking. What's 90% of a kid's life, first few years of life. Mama, can we do this? Daddy, can we do that? Mama, can you know, can I have this? Can I? They're asked, they specialize in asking, brothers and sisters. I've never had any of my children come to me and say, Daddy, I really don't want to ask this, but. Oh, no, no. That never happened. Jesus says we have not because we ask or James, I should say, in his book says we have not because we ask not. And, and so God says, you know what? I can do beyond, way beyond everything that we humans ask or think. Another word for that is dream. Children are good at dreaming, too, aren't they? I mean, children come up with these wild ideas, right? You know? And, and, and we pour water on their ideas. Bless our hearts sometimes. Because the dream always precedes the deed, doesn't it? Where, how does, how, where does all this take place? According to the power that works within us. Beloved, if you're in Christ, you have enough power available to you to blow your head off. It's beyond anything we can even ask for or think. Someone said, Brother Green, I'm afraid to ask God about this because this is a big thing. To who? Not to God. Not to God. He said, we can't ask for as much as he can do. And the good news, brothers and sisters, is that God is so very powerful. The great news is that God's power works in his people. It's not a dormant power. It works. It works in us. And so then, as we conclude, since God's power works in us, we can do exceedingly, abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think but we haven't it's obvious we haven't so why is it god is it because god through his grace hasn't given us the power and the the ability to do these things no he just said he did he says uh, he says it again because of a lack of faith in an all-powerful father it's our problem brethren If we had faith in God, then we would be amazed at the things He would do to us by His power. Do we have the faith to use God's power? Jesus said if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. What should our response be to all of this good news? All of this that we've talked about, this is one that's been given to us by and because of God's wonderful grace watch the response verse 21 to him be the glory in the church and in christ jesus to all generations forever and ever amen randy travis ought to write a song about it friend listen if you need christ and if you're not in christ you need christ you can have him You can have him in your life today. We'll sit down from God's Word and show you what the Bible says to do and only the Bible. And if you want to live a life of true power and of true victory, it's available for you today through God while we stand and sing.